Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Well, today in the studio is Kate Rubakava, and I really enjoyed interviewing her today. Number one, she's the new executive director for the Utah Nonprofits Association, or UNA for short. And she's going to talk a little bit more about uh, what the UNA provides, from all the trainings that they offer to the social networking events that they provide. It's a really good organization, and it'll be good for you to hear more about what they provide. Number two, she's going to talk about the importance of authenticity as a leader, particularly as an executive director of a nonprofit, and not just owning your mistakes mistakes, but coming to your board, admitting your mistakes and asking for help, a critical role and a, actually a trait of a healthy leader and a healthy nonprofit organization. I think you're going to really enjoy what Kate has to say. Enjoy today's show. Kate, it's so good to have you in the studio. And today we want to talk about some leadership. And you've been involved with a lot of nonprofits. Now you're involved with the, the overall state agency, if you will, to oversee and support and encourage nonprofits across this state. Um, so we're going to talk about leadership today. And I just want to start by asking this first question. As a leader of a nonprofit organization, what is, in your opinion, the most important role a nonprofit serves in our community? Great. Good morning, and thank you so much for having me today. Um, I think the most important role a nonprofit serves in the community is to make sure that all of the members in our community have access to the things that they need to make their lives um, better, stronger, more sustainable, um, exciting, lovable. Uh, we're, you know, nonprofits are not here just to serve people and making sure that they have clothes on their back and food in their bellies. We are here to do that piece of it too, but we have arts and culture and museums and all of those, all of those other things that really feed our souls. Excellent. And talk about, for the audience listening, um, talk about all the different uh, organizations you've been a part of in your career. Mostly in my career, I've served a lot of social service organizations and worked in a lot of higher education promotion uh, and working with community leadership and neighborhood revitalization. Uh, so this is a, a wonderful opportunity and a different change for me to branch out and, and serve so many other types of nonprofits within our sector. And what do you think since you've been involved and now, yeah, like you said, you're now in uh, an association role where you're supporting other EDs and other nonprofits. Um, what would you, if you sat down with somebody at Starbucks, what would you say from your experience, the key leadership traits that they need to have as an executive director? Key leadership traits for an executive director are... I don't, I don't necessarily know that I would say you have to have like these top five things or top three things, right? Um, but I do feel like you really have to uh, listen to yourself and follow your gut when you know it's right um, and not second guess yourself. And as a new, as a new executive director, this is in something that I am really trying to, to make sure I listen to myself. Um, but right. I, I think that in order to be a really great leader of a nonprofit, you have to believe in your team and trust that they 
are doing the best job that they can with the resources available to them. And if we if we have strong teams, strong people working in our organizations, we have a stronger public because those people who are coming into our organizations to ask questions, to look for direction, whatever the case may be, they're impacting those people in our communities. It's really incredibly cyclical, and being able to um, to watch that human side of it is is really incredibly important. And then those other things, you know, um, I happen to have a master's degree, and I am incredibly grateful for the education that I've had access to. I don't necessarily think that all of the degrees in the whole world are going to make you the best leader. I think that you have to make sure that uh, you have good sound logic, um, that you're able to process what's uh, brought to you. If someone says, I need you to need you to really take a look at this. You've got to be able to dissect it. You've got to be able to create an opinion. You've got to be able to, um, I don't know, create the next steps if you think that something needs to be corrected. Um, I think another, another thing that is really important for, for nonprofit leaders is, is really to make sure that if, if you, and this is hard just across the board, but if you mess up, you have to own it. Uh, we are not going to be perfect in everything that, we're do, that we do. We're not always going to make the right decisions, but it's in how we work through the wrong decisions that really impacts our staff, our communities, the people around us, the people that come through the door, uh, the integrity that we have. Excellent. What leads us into healthy nonprofits? Mm. Um, again, not just leadership, but moving on to the whole organization itself. Um, what are the traits of a healthy nonprofit, in your opinion? The traits of a healthy nonprofit, uh, well, nonprofits are governed by boards of directors, and a healthy nonprofit at the core of it has a really strong board of directors, uh, a strong group of individuals who... Do you think that's critical now? Is it as critical as a strong ED, or do you think they're equally important? I think they're equally important, because if if I, um, you know, and and for for our readers, you know, you're you're on my board, Rob, um, Mm -hmm. but, or for our listeners, I should say, um, but... I think that, I think that as, as a leader, of as a new leader of a nonprofit, let's say I screw up on something. Let's say I make a mistake. Right? I have to feel, I have to feel comfortable in my position at my organization to go to my board and say I messed up. I know I messed up, and I thought that I did it the right way, but I guess I didn't. So how can how can I learn from this and how can I be better? And and those of us who are looking to perfect the work that we're doing in our craft, we have to be able to own our mistakes. And and as a leader of a nonprofit, we have to feel confident in our board to support us, just as our boards need to feel confident in us that, that they hired us to do a job that, that they know we're qualified for and they know that we're ready for. Um, and so I, I think that I think that a strong board of directors is incredibly critical for the success of an organization. That's really interesting. So first of all, on the ED side, owning your mistakes, for example, and then being able to approach the board. So it sounds like a healthy board for a nonprofit, which makes a healthy nonprofit, is a board that's approachable and yeah. realizes you're not perfect, but at the same time, you know, we do believe in you. You can do this. And so they come alongside with both support and listening ear, but also, okay, step up and now let's hear some things you can do and lead. Yes, absolutely. So that combination is uh, 
And it's cyclical, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it just is all things in our life. I mean, we, we, we come to work, we do these things in our lives, and we spend a lot of time at work, um, and we spend a lot of time with the people that we love and the people that we care about. We don't always get it right. And Good point. We, we, ha- we have to humanize ourselves a bit to, to look to the people who look to us to say, oh, you're, you're wonderful, you're doing all these great things, to just say, I, I am, thank you, it's so great to hear those things, but I'm not perfect, and, and I'm trying, and I'm making mistakes just like you. And, and so it's, a, it's kind of, you know, which one comes first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing with sure. a healthy board or a healthy ED, um, because I, th- I think things do trickle down. Um, but having said that, I mean, I, I think a, a really strong mission for an organization is really important and, and also ensuring that the, the team that you have and the team that you have hired, uh, is passionate, they're driven and they, they emulate those things of leadership that you like to see in yourself. Got it. So a strong ED, strong board, an approachable board, clear mission, and mm-hmm. passion with your team. Yeah. Some key traits. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Now, I've had some a uh, lot of different EDs from Park City area that are EDs of nonprofits here, but and we've had this conversation that you know there's over 80 at least nonprofits in Park City alone, yeah. which is a lot of nonprofit concentration, and then throughout the state. So we've had this debate back and forth, and so I'm curious to, to see what you think because, again, you're the head of the UNA. Um, do you think we have too many nonprofits, or do we not have enough nonprofits? Is there more that needs to be done? Where do you fall into that uh, discussion? I don't think it has anything to do with numbers. We have thousands of uh, 501c registered nonprofits in the state of Utah. Thousands. 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 See, I didn't even know that. Okay. Yes, yes. And and so I don't think it has anything to do with numbers. I, I do think, however, we have to look at um, service area and we have to look at the types of organizations that are in the area so that we're um, mindful of the duplication of service. Um, because um, another, another um, thing that... EDs will always talk to one another about, and those of us in the field always talk about fundraising and having to go after grant dollars. And we compete for funding. It's incredibly, um, well, it's a catch-22, right? Does, yeah, talk about that, because we've talked about this on the show before. It, it is it is very challenging. Me being an ED, I'm also a board member in various nonprofits, uh, organizations. How do you, at one level, you know, advocate for your organization at the same time, collaborate with others that may be asking for the same dollars. That right. is a catch-22. It's a difficult thing. So it is. what do you recommend in those situations? It is. I recommend partnership and collaboration and talking with talking with those uh, similar-focused nonprofits in, um, and being able to say, if I want to serve this one type of arena, and how do you feel about serving this other type of arena? And, and being able to have that back and forth. And now, of course, of course, there's so many things interwoven into being able to do that because you have to trust that fellow ED. You have to trust that fellow board to be able to say, you know, I think you're better suited to go after these dollars than I am. And you have to, you have to trust them. So we're talking about... So mutual trust. It's a mutual trust. And, mm-hmm. and quite honestly... Quite honestly, as nonprofit leaders, we expect our clients, whomever we are serving, to come into our offices to trust us. 
we need to be able to trust our colleagues and we need to be able to to open up that communication and feel like we can have that conversation because the minute we begin to compete overly compete and let egos get in the way then then there's a little bit of a problem when when we're out there in the community trying to trying to advocate for um love and respect of one another Got it. So that, that's very helpful. So it's not so much about the number in your mind. It's about the quality of leadership and the ability for nonprofit organizations and EDs, I guess, specifically to collaborate while still advocating for their organization. So that's the key in your mind. And by doing that together, we can actually serve more people. Yeah, because we nobody wants to duplicate services. Nobody wants to reinvent the wheel. And it's one of the great things that Utah Nonprofits Association tries to do is ensure that organizations have the tools and training and access to resources so they don't have to sit at their desk and um, you know spend two hours trying to work out a, a framework for X, whatever it might be. So along those lines, what do you think are the biggest challenges then facing nonprofits right now? You mentioned fundraising. Uh, maybe we would talk about a little bit more, but what maybe that is one of the biggest. What are the other challenges that are facing nonprofits today, particularly now in your role? You're stepping above kind of the 30,000-foot level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're seeing a lot of different nonprofits, not just your own. Um, what are those challenges that you see on a regular basis that are consistent? I think some of the challenges that I see regularly uh, throughout the nonprofit community are uh, these concerns around fundraising. Um, a lot of nonprofits don't have very strong boards. I'll be honest with you, and and that's that's an that's an incredible challenge. If if it is true what I said just moments ago about my belief that a strong organization stems from having a strong board of directors, and I'll go on record indicating that I do think that is true. Um, but if but if that's true, and we know that a lot of executive directors struggle with their board, we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing to cultivate better relationships? Not with our boards, because I think there is some onus to boards of directors that, that they have to, as a body, ask themselves, are we supporting our executive director in the best way that he or she needs to be able to be supported? And... And it's and it's critical. Um, we we often we are often so worried about any backlash or any concern. You know, what if I didn't do it right? Or um, I was just talking to a, a fellow ED yesterday, and she said to me, "I can't get anyone from my board to return my phone calls." Ooh, that's a tough position. It's to be a in. tough position wow. because if. Uh, I serve on the board of directors for an organization as well, and I report to a board of directors. and And if I and if I felt like my executive director of the organization that I that I volunteer with, if I felt like she couldn't reach me, I would feel heartbroken about not serving her and the organization in the best way possible. and And also as an as an ED, if I needed something, if I couldn't reach my board members, it would. I think that it would not be very supportive for me and I would begin to feel like I was sort of in this foxhole by myself. Well said. So again, fundraising, a big need. And then that whole board relationship, board to ED, and just healthy boards in general sounds like are some of the biggest challenges you see. Anything else that you see on a repeated pattern that are really, really um, big challenges for nonprofits today? 
I don't think there are big challenges, but I, um, so I certainly wouldn't say this is a challenge, but I think this is something that we always have to be mindful of, is ensuring that our staff have all of the training tools and capacity they need to serve our organizations in the best way possible. We have to meet people where they're at, and if they're not... If they're not exactly where we want them to be at our organization, then we have to ask ourselves, what can I do as a leader to give them the additional training and tools that they might need so that they can grow and develop as people? And that's how I got in my position. I didn't just wake up one day and um, all of a sudden walk through the doors of UNA and said, great, I am your leader. (laughs) Um, It it happened. A lot of training along the way. A lot of training along the way. A lot of um, mistakes, a lot of honesty, a lot of really great reflection on my own part and and the part of my my leaders that that have come before me you raise a good question okay so i can see um, people out there listening saying okay how much do you give training to your staff and how much do they need to bring with them when you hire them because at one level you need someone to right now do the job you've hired them to do at the same time absolutely all of us need ongoing training where do you find that balance where do you do ever get to the point where like you know what this is just not the person is not trained enough Mm -hmm. to keep their job going um, no matter how much training we throw at them because it'll take too much time. How yeah. do you balance that? I bet that's a pretty challenging thing for most uh, organizations. So I think it happens in the hiring process, a lot in the hiring process. You have to be honest with what you're looking for, and and you have to be able to, as a leader, so none of us also can predict how someone's going to react, right? Um, but as a leader, you have to be able to look at the job description that you need, right, in, in your office, in your organization, and then you have to look at the look at the skills and the qualifications of the person that you're bringing in. And so you have to make sure that those equate, right, first of all. So hiring and is critical. Hi- really hiring is end. incredibly critical. And then and then setting goals. So I'm, I'm not at all embarrassed to say that uh, when I took this position at Utah Nonprofits Association, I, I took it with the understanding that my executive committee would provide me direction on a 120-day plan that I would have to execute and work toward within the first four months of, of my joining the organization. And you're three months into those four months, Three months aren't you? into those four mm-hmm. months. Um, and, and when I asked for that, um, they, they said, yes, of course, absolutely. Of course, I had to drive the process, right? I had to talk to them about what they expected um, and then deliver them a product where they could see and track my progress. Um, but... It's all part of being able to be honest about the skills that you have and what's before you. And it provides an incredible opportunity to say, I know we talked about me doing X, but I feel like I don't know how to do that in the exact way possible. Can you give me some additional skills and training? Now, of course, not all not all people are able to articulate themselves in, in that manner, but You've got to be able to, as a leader, identify those traits in others and maybe suss it out a little bit. If, if you feel like they're, they're struggling and they don't really want to admit it, you've got to be able to... As like, a board member now. Right? As a board member, as a staff, I think okay. across the kind board. Draw that out. You, you mm-hmm. have to draw it out. And sometimes, sometimes you just got to be brutally honest and say, is this... Is this where is this where you want to be? Is this what you want to is this what you want to do? Um, and then the other piece of it is, as a leader, 
you know, in, in terms of if we circle back around and we start talking again about, about training and, and making sure you have all the right, that you have employees that have all the right skills, uh, you have to be able to not only as a leader own up to your own mistakes, but you have to be supportive of your staff if they, if they mess up. And you have so you to set the example, but you yeah. also come alongside when they have a mistake mm-hmm. or whatever and come alongside them and encourage them and yeah. keep them going. Okay. Yeah. And, and I've not, I have not always been good at this piece. I have, I've not always been very successful in, in having to provide disciplinary action to staff. It's, it's hard because we're talking about people and we're working with people. Um, but if we're being, if we're just being honest with one another about the mission and the organization that we're serving, we just have to we just have to be good with that. We just have to kind of own it a little bit, take a deep breath, and meet them where they're at. Great point. All right, let's move on. Um, there is a book that's been out there for a while now, mm-hmm. and it's been very well-known, Forces for Good. And the authors explain, among many things in this book, that the most successful nonprofits that they've found have these characteristics. I'm just list those through and we'll talk about it. Number one, they spend most of their time trying to change entire systems by advocating for government policies. Number two, they tap into the power of free markets. Number three, they nurture nonprofit networks, which we've already kind of alluded to. Uh, four, they build movements of evangelists, that term of individual volunteers and supporters who advance their cause. Raving fans, I know we've mentioned that on the show before. Five, they're effective at influencing external systems because they share leadership internally. And finally, they adapt quickly to changing conditions. So there's a lot there. But I just want to kind of go into those six practices that great nonprofits, according to what they found in Forces for Good, used um, and, and ask you, number one, do you agree with this list? Is there anything that's missing? Or is there anything, maybe a second question would be, anything that rises to the top among those six that you would think are absolutely most critical that what you've seen? There's a big list in there. There's a big list. <laughs> um, I think... I think one of the reasons there's such a robust list here is that nonprofits can't exist by mission alone. They can't exist by volunteers alone. They can't exist by funding alone, right? Like all, so all these factors have to come together. All of these saying. factors have to come mm-hmm. together to be um, to be very successful. I mean, and and you have to. One thing that. Um, after reading this list, I mean, yes, we have um, things about nurturing networks, building um, building movements of evangelists, and being able to influence external systems. But the thing that um, steps out to me mostly is adapting to change quickly. Um, when because all, all of those other things are cornerstones, right? You're, you're able to come through and you, you have these people who are very interested. You yourself have this passion. You've been able to identify a need in the area. You've been able to identify that it will be successful and you'll be able to, to succeed. What happens then if an entirely um, different Peace moves in or moves out and begins to influence that market. Hmm. You have to like be an able, X factor. Like, like yeah, mm-hmm. like that that X factor. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to adjust to that, and you have to be able to think quickly and say, uh, "Is this the way that we should be changing our nonprofit? Is this something that we think will um, just be sort of the ebb and flow of our work, or um, do we need to do we need to rethink 
what we're doing and how we're doing it. So the ability to adapt quickly to a changing environment, to those X factors that do come up all the yes. time, that's a critical component in your mind. Because they do all the time. I mean, how how frequently can you say that everything you do on a quarterly basis is the same as it was the last quarter? Or, that's a great or point. the three before mm-hmm. that? I mean, it's true that that a lot of my daily process when I come to work is the same from yesterday. Meetings, tasks, items, talking with staff, talking with partners, talking with members. That's what I do on a daily basis. But there's always going to be that uh, wrench that comes into it that I've got to figure it out. It's a great term. And you have to just embrace that and not and not be afraid. That's a great point. I mean, I it would like there's a lot of debate about how where do you set goals, for example, and I used to, you know, do yearly goals and it would be biannual goals and then we've gotten down to quarter goals. Um, and even done some 60-day goals because things change so quickly. And I, I definitely would agree with that, that your inability to say, say you set a goal as an organization for a year, you can still have it out there. But if you're not swift enough to change within that quarter because right. things change, the market may change, mm-hmm. all these volunteers have left or all these volunteers have come in, whatever the issue is, you have to be much more quick. So completely agree with you. One of the other things that um, this, to me, applies very closely to your role now in the UNA, uh, they found that nurturing nonprofit networks was critical to healthy nonprofits. The UNA does a great job of that. In fact, for some people that may be listening, they don't know much about the UNA. So maybe talk about that. Um, Well, let me actually, I'll start with this way and you can answer it uh, as response to this question. Say there's someone kind of skeptical out there and says, you know, you know, I'm number one, I'm doing fine. I don't really need uh, Utah Nonprofits Association to help. And then also, you know, collaboration sounds great on paper, but impractical really because it's just too much work. Um, I've got my thing. I want to do it. And it's just too much work to try to work with others that have a different speed or different mission. What would you say to that person who's maybe a little skeptical and then what specifically does UNA provide for all nonprofits? Right. So so the Utah Nonprofits Association is a membership-based organization and we function a lot like a chamber of commerce in being able to provide services to our members. And I can say that um, to the skeptic, to the person out there who says, I already am part of a, let's say, national there you organization, go. right? Because right, right? sure. mm-hmm. um, we get that a lot, particularly in Utah. We have a lot of large nonprofits that are part of larger networks. Like United Way, Habitat for Humanity or whatever. You right, name it, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of those two actually are members of UNA, though. Which is great. Um, it, I know. It, it is. I just threw it out there. It is incredibly head. great. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, but there are uh, national organizations that operate locally, and that have said, you know, I really, I can't see added value um, simply because I can get all of those things from from my national affiliate. And, and it's, a, it's a legitimate point. Like, I, I certainly um, don't want to, you know, tear them away from their national affiliate. Right. <laughs> um, but, but one of the key things, though, to remember is that Utah Nonprofits Association, 50% of our members are, uh, have annual budgets of less than $200,000 a year. Very so, interesting fact. Less than 200000 for over half. Yes. Wow. Yeah. 
And uh, we haven't run our, our membership um, numbers um, in the last couple of um, weeks. We've switched over a database system, which many nonprofits, I think, you know, you just you sweat thinking about switching a database system. It's it's been it's been a challenge for us, um, and so we're we're working out the kinks. But it is about fifty about fifty percent of our our mm-hmm. member organizations. And, and how many member organizations do you have? Okay, so Utah Nonprofits Association has um, just shy of or getting very close to 800 members and about 615 of them are nonprofits and then the remainder are individuals they're either businesses students um, and they come in through that process and what we have the ability to to offer our members is um, the the networking that we do we have um, by um, every other month we host socials so we can just get together and um, and talk with our colleagues and uh, just really hang out and and enjoy enjoy one another. We work so hard in the nonprofit community. Well we've, said. We've got to play hard too, um, and and we so also social support network. Social support network. Mm-hmm. Um, and we offer a lot of training for some of those smaller nonprofits. If we're able to say that 50 percent of nonprofit members at the UNA. Are, have budgets less than $200,000, then how much of that, going back to what we said earlier, how much of that, how much of those budgets can you really allocate to training or professional development? Or, you know, if you happen to hire someone that comes to you that says, um, you would like me to handle the budget now, that's great. Well, I need to be able to get the tools to be able to do that. I mean, you and they can't afford to. And they can't afford yeah, it. So you right. have to be able to tap into the right networks to to make sure that that you can provide that service. And and UNA can and UNA can provide the professional development and the tools um, to be able to work through something. We get so many calls, which we love to receive from our members, um, but we get so many calls of people saying. I am in a little bit of a pickle. <laughs> and Is that a common call? The first few words out of their it's mouth. It's <laughs> like, oh, there's. I've got a situation, uh, and um, and we have just a wealth of knowledge at the organization. And um, Patty as our operations manager, and she works a lot with our membership, and she is able to uh, listen, calm, and just kind of say, all right you know, I've got a resource for you. And she's able to go through and dig through all of our resources. She knows exactly where everything is at. Um, She's able to pull it out and provide it to them. And if she doesn't have the exact resource, she knows where to get it and she knows who to point the person in the right direction for. And that's a great resource. It is a great resource. resource. And we're local and we're here. We're a phone call away. We are in Salt Lake City, um, but we are only a phone call away. You can stop in our office. and, And that's, I think, the biggest bargaining chip I would make for those organizations that say, well, I don't really see the added value in it. And, and you know, I would, um, I'm new, so I haven't had to have that conversation this frequently, but, but I would say, but you can't place an added value on, on or, or I need to rephrase that, um, you have to be able to place added value in being able to reach out to your colleagues and people within the sector to be able to say, what can I do to make sure that you're more successful at your organization. 
And that's really what the UNA is about. It's really what it is about. We want to make you more successful Mm -hmm. in what you're doing. And Mm -hmm. going back to the first part of your question uh, that, you know, we have to be able to collaborate in this work. We have to be able to just talk with one another and and I'll have conversations with people who are members, who are not members, who are thinking about being members. Um, I, I spent some time on a panel yesterday um, with Women's Entrepreneurial Conference at the Women's Entrepreneurial Conference in, in Holiday, Utah, and, and talking with women business leaders and talking to them about their their service on boards and what it means to work with a nonprofit and support a nonprofit and and come into this world and and quite honestly that's part of what the sector is about and it's what the Utah Nonprofits Association role is is really making sure that we're strengthening unifying and elevate the elevating Utah nonprofits regardless of where we're at on that um, on that membership totem pole well, I love it. And we're going to have to bring you back again here yeah. soon because there's so much to talk about. But that's really good to know because I think I would like to close with that. For those who um, would like to get more information, there is a lot of training that UNA yes. provides. There's a lot of social connection. And, of course, the, the networks of people that are involved and on the board, you know, there's just a great resource that people ought to know about. So again, tell us the website where people can find out more information about you, yes. about the UNA, etc. Yeah, our website is utahnonprofits.org. And we welcome, we welcome people to sign up for our newsletters, to become involved in our credential program. Yeah. Excellent. UtahNonprofits.org. Yes. So check it out. Uh, Kate, again, um, Rubakava, so good to have you on the show. Yeah. And it's just great to get your insights. And again, you can find out more information uh, about her on online. And then we're going to get her back on the show and tell her, give us an update after the 120 days, maybe. Yes. Uh, it'll yes. be great. Uh, <laughs> so good to have you as the ED. And thanks for sharing your insights today. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.